Once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Then I jumped on the bandwagon. I'm your host, Aaliyah, and this is Heavy Business, a podcast where we talk to music industry professionals and musicians and learn together about the music industry, marketing, and other tools that can help you promote the music you put so much effort into creating. Hello and welcome. This is Heavy Business. I'm Aaliyah. And I'm Curtis. And we are here today with Crucifix of Pitch Black North, the Satanic Tea Company. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I'm excited to talk about tea. So let's get started by maybe having you introduce your your company and how you got started dealing in these illicit beverages. Uh, yeah, so we started in, um, I think it was like 2017. Um, the band I was in at the time, we were touring pretty often and I started working for bands, traveling, uh, selling merch and stuff like that. Um, I kind of was hopping from job to job and was just trying to find like a, another way to bring some money in so I could keep touring and like doing what I wanted to do um, outside of working nine to five. Um Ended up just starting selling some t-shirts, I guess, um, as Pitch Black North. Um, the tea was kind of a suggestion for my dad, actually, which was kind of, it was just like a rag. I didn't even really drink tea at the time. I wanted to sell coffee, but looking up how to start <laughs> selling coffee, like Google how to uh, sell coffee online, it seemed pretty daunting. And like coffee snobs seemed pretty uh intimidating to deal with but tea stops yeah, are i fair. found out you find out the same or pretty much the same way um pretty much like the first six months like the t-shirts we were selling it was pretty all uh like black craft like black metal satan satanic imagery type pretty overall pretty basic designs <laughs> people were really buying the shirts but they were really into the just like the four tea blends we were selling which um at the time was like made by another tea company they just kind of like white labeled it for us um we were selling like quite a lot of tea um right away so i just kind of made the decision at the time like oh maybe i should just start selling this tea people seem to like the black bag um and i think because of the imagery early on um people just started like we didn't refer to ourselves as the satanic tea co uh, people just started calling us that satanic tea company and it seemed to stick more than pitch black north um, so we just kind of pivoted into that, um, leaned into uh, what everyone was pretty much calling us uh, already. So that's how Satanic Tico kind of got started. Um, we ended up starting making our own blends, renting like a commercial kitchen, ordering in the product, like me just like <laughs> still learning everything, like pretty um, on the fly, like making blends and stuff. And that's like the basic beginnings of how we got started here. Cool. So you mentioned like you have to have like a commercial kitchen to sell this um, to sell this stuff. And before you got that started, you just worked with another company. Can you go into like some of the logistics behind that? Why it was why it's necessary for that to be a part of the process? No, totally. Like um, tea is a food product. So like you need to have there's like lots of like regulations in Alberta, Canada, um, like a large portion of our business is in the States, like probably 70% of our business, um, is being shipped out to the States. So like, there's lots of regulations surrounding, um, 
food products. Um, tea being an easier one, I guess, because it's dried leaves you boil with scalding hot water. And uh, so, like, we have it's like a little luckier that way, I guess. Um, yeah. So, like, um, before, like, when I first started, I would just like order bags of tea from this company out in Ontario. They would just give you the bags. I'd store it in my apartment and then ship. And then quickly you learn like their rules um, right off the bat. So, um, you. Mm-hmm. As yeah, as you like get into the tea community, I guess more just like learning and like googling, lots of googling, <laughs> like what's will I get in trouble for this? Um, you quickly learn that yeah, you can't get in a lot of trouble for not doing things uh, properly, and like you want to be able to protect people um, and not like make anyone sick. So like yeah, you have to quickly yeah, we learned we had to rent a commercial kitchen, um, especially if you're blending um, the stuff yourself. Um, so that was like, yeah, it's like obviously um, a lot of more <laughs> cost right at the beginning of the out of the date, which I was not expecting, especially like dropping the t-shirt. We pretty much stopped selling t-shirts altogether. Um, and we're just like really focusing on the tea. So I would just like, I didn't have a car either back then. So I would just like load up uh, like a suitcase full of um, tea bags and just kind of like go back between like, the train station from the commercial kitchen to like the post office to like mail out all the orders. It was like quite the ordeal, especially living in a place like Alberta where it's like covered in snow half the year. Yeah. Fair. Um, what are some of your favorite artist collabs that you've done? Uh, Cradle of Filth with BRP, like probably one of the first ones where, um, I think I love, like, I loved that band before. Um, me and uh, my business partner, we just like used to call Danny Filth. Like this is like two years into like being a company. Like Danny Filth's the whale. Like one day we're gonna get him and do a collab with him because we had done a collab with two bands previous before that, um, and we really wanted to get that to work. Yeah, Critical Filth was huge for us. Um, that opened up a lot of doors, and super thankful to them um, for wanting to work with us. Um, and also probably like my second favorite one would be Kitty. Um, they were just like such an awesome band to work with. They're like childhood, <laughs> like heroes for sure. And, like, um, yeah. So yeah, I would say Cradle Filth, Kitty, and then uh, Bells and Bubs also, which is like they heavily influence, especially like the direction of like us putting out music. Um, they were probably a large um, driving force behind that for sure. Oh, so many topics I could go into, but I want to ask you a little bit about branding. How did you? What what are what are some of the factors that go into your branding, and what are some lessons you think bands could learn from that? Oh yeah, so like for us personally, like I just you're just tea in general. Like you look up tea online, you get like a lot of the same type of um, aesthetics. Like it's a lot of baby blue, Etsy, um, cozy vibes. Yeah, and like I love that for sure. Like I want to be cozy sometimes, and like relaxing and stuff but I don't think it all has to look exactly the same and if I'm like if I'm doing this project um I just wanted it to reflect me so like I wanted to just do something totally outrageous like uh especially like in the tea world I guess like it didn't seem like many other people were trying to be outrageous it was trying to be catering to the status quo type of thing so I wanted to go hard right turn into like totally the opposite um i think it was like right before covid um just thinking like oh this the the company i wasn't really in any of the pictures 
um, especially via like social media or Instagram, like wasn't really in TikTok back then, but I didn't want it to be like, have like a mascot, I guess. And then that's like where crucifix kind of like came into the picture with like the, either I look like this or I'm wearing a gimp mask. And <laughs> that's like, those are the two. Um, so just like kind of like make your mark, um, especially like back then it was just tea, um, trying to look not at all like anyone else looks and then people will remember you and uh, kind of attach your name to either if it's good or bad. I think it's all, they'll still remember you. Um, that was, it wasn't really trying to get um, tons of people to buy the tea. I just wanted people to remember what we're about, I guess. So I, I got a couple follow-ups here. So number one, how does one land the big whale, Danny Filth? Cause I'm assuming you didn't have his number or know someone that knew him. Unless I'm mistaken. No. Unless I'm mistaken. No, no, yeah. So how, how does one go and land uh, Danny Filth uh, as a collaborator? Uh, I honestly just hit him up in the Instagram DMs. And then he, I think it was like three months later, he messaged me back and he said he talked to their manager and they want to do it. And I was like, holy shit. But yeah, it was like three, it was three full months later. Like it was a shot in the dark, just like, um, but I think he, he actually, actually, yeah, it, I actually did kind of know someone because um, I had sent uh, Lindsay Schoolcraft, who was in Cradle of Filth um, just before that. Um, I think she left around the time that we started doing the collab. Um, she, I just noticed she had followed us on Instagram and I hit her up being like, oh, we're both Canadian. Like, I'd love to send you some tea. Like, I love your music. I love Cradle. So like, um, so like, I think he had heard of us because she, I knew she brought it on tour. Um, so like maybe that was like uh, a little foot in the door, um, but yeah, that was the only time I'd really talk to Lindsay or anything like that. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe that was like part of a. I never really thought about it until just now. <laughs> now I want to ask her. Um, so now, so you get Danny, and then you then um, what happens then? So he so he responds back up by Instagram. You probably went holy shit. Uh, what did you do at that point to make it happen versus like, you know, shitting your pants and just letting it all fall apart due to being a fanboy or whatever? No, totally. Like I think COVID was just starting to hit around that same time. Like um, I had just talked to their manager who was like uh Dez um, from yep. uh, L driver. Uh, so I pretty much was like also just like freaking out about that. <laughs> and then like at the time, this was like years ago now, um, but just like, yeah, just like being like, I'll do whatever it takes to uh, make this happen. Um, we worked out the deal. Um, and, and yeah, like I went to work and like we got like the most tea we ever made at a time. Like I was in the commercial kitchen for like ever, um, just trying to pump out all these bags, like hand labeling all the bags. It, it was like hours and hours. Um, and then, yeah, we finally released the tea, um, it like sold out in a couple of days. I think it was, and it was like, I think it was almost a thousand bags between two blends. And I'd never, I'd never handled anything like that previously. So it was nice. like very overwhelming. Um, and then, yeah, just like a couple, like a month after that came out, the New York times did an article about it. And then it was like another rush of like uh, sales for the cradle of filthy. That's fucking awesome. So just by DMing through Instagram, you know, Danny felt, um, and then how did you end up getting Kitty out of curiosity? I think it was the same thing. <laughs> it was uh, cool. through the DMs. I messaged um, Morgan uh, Lander, and she eventually hit me back saying that we'll she would love to do it. And they were, yeah, super awesome to work with, super chill. 
And that honestly, like the we've only done one round. We're gonna do another round of tea with them hopefully soon. But it the kitty tea actually sold faster than the cradle of filth tea, like initially, which was like I was that was like shocked how fast that went. That's interesting. So I guess the the secret is to hit up the Canadian bands and then uh, in the DMs <laughs> you can get whatever you want. Um, yeah, I think that was it for my follow up on that, Aaliyah, If you want to continue. The way you pass the conversation back to me always throws me off. Um, <laughs> I got to be smoother, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's all good. Um, I was going to ask. So I assume that uh, bands sometimes reach out to you trying to collab, wanting to do collabs with you, or do you usually just reach out to other bands that you want to collab with? How does it usually come about that you're doing these? Uh, it's definitely like at this point, it's a mix of both. Like either I'll reach out to a band or I'll reach out to their merch manager or their manager. Um, and then I have people's merch managers or bands themselves reach out to me. So, so I think it's like, it's like a pretty big mix of all of the above at this point. Um, right now, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard. It takes some bands are like super quick. Like they know exactly what they want or they don't care at all. Like they just, they want to do the product. They don't care how it looks. They don't care what is in the tea. They just want to like work with us and put out a cool product at the end of the day. Uh, so it's cool to have that trust. But some bands, um, I don't want to say difficult, but it's just like they, they're they very specific on exactly how they want it to look, um, how they want it to taste. So especially with working with bands in the States and living in Canada, it's a lot of back and forth mailing samples. Um, and that can take like up to a year, I think, like um, even the Cradle of Filth one, I don't think we put that from initially getting the approval from the Cradle of Filth team to actually putting out, it was like over a year of um, back and forth and like getting the blends just right. So everyone was happy with the product at the end of the day. Um, so trying to fit that all in, um, in a year uh, is definitely tough and like trying to figure out what's going to sell the best if like a band is putting out tons of merch products all the time um their fans are usually pretty saturated with products so it depends on i feel like there's a lot of factors on choosing which band to work with at which time like i'd love to do a collab with everyone that reaches out like it's i think it's like phenomenal and like uh very humbled that people will reach out to us at all to do these sorts of things um yeah, it's like definitely choosing um, how many I can fit in a year. And I think at this point, it's like maybe seven to 10 in a year is like big time pushing it right now because of how long um, some projects can take to push out. Sure. And I would, I mean, is there like kind of a, like a minimum product volume that you would want to work with when you're doing a collab, like a min minimum quantity, basically? Yeah. Uh, so typically... Um, we do 200 units. It's like, I want to, unless like, I know it's going to just be uh, like gangbusters. It's like, I'll do 200 units to start. Um, and there's always the, the option um, to do more. If like on my end, if like they don't want to do it, then that's great for them. Um, but like, I, if we can blow through 200 units, then I'll definitely be down to do some more. Nice. Now let's talk about your music a little bit. Um, Oh, go ahead, Curtis. 
Do you want to ask something before I we do, dive into I, the music? I do, but I couldn't unmute myself. My okay, okay, weird. go ahead. Okay, just uh, really quick before we dive into the music. So um, with these collaborations, who is the big whale now that you've already got Danny Felt and you got Kitty? So who who is the big whale that that you want to go after? Oh, definitely uh, Cannibal Corpse. I know they just released a coffee. Um, I don't know if they would ever do a tea. Yeah, I'd love to do one with Cannibal Corpse. They're like one of my favorite bands ever. Um, also, Godflesh. I would love to do a Godflesh tea. Um, I think those two are like uh, really high up there. On the spot, yeah, there's probably more. Susie and the Banshees. Um, nice. I would I would love to do with like, yeah, like all, pro all my childhood favorites, I would just love to um, pump out. But I'd say like Godflesh, Cannibal Corpse would be like um, the big tippy top for me at the moment. Or Ghost. I think Ghost would also be in there. Ghost would be like a huge seller. That'd yeah, be that would be awesome. huge. You'd probably have to make 2000 or something. At least. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did one with my friend uh, in Corpse Paint Soaps, and I was just like, damn, <laughs> that's so sick. I am glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you this one question. How do you feel that you are different than the other uh, companies that are doing similar things to you? Because like you said, you got soaps, there's coffee companies, there's all sorts of things. Um, what do you think makes you different? Uh, I think it seems like, yeah, that's a, it's a fair question. Like, I think like me just being uh, this character, this person, the persona I, I play is like a big differentiate, differentiating factor. Um, I think what we're doing is like somewhat unique compared to other products that are out there. Cause I think we offer more than just a product. It's like more, uh, there's like, more personality i think behind what we're doing um i'm just one dude like there's obviously a team of people we work with mm -hmm. i can't obviously take <laughs> i can't definitely take all the credit for a lot of things but like um i just think that well, yeah what we're doing is different i think especially like the music aspect is like a big part of um differentiating uh what we're doing compared to other people like uh i think the closest thing was like liquid death put out an album and I think I that was, that. uh, but they, they, yeah, it was like a, but they hired different musicians. I think it's different. What we're doing is we're an actual band that's going to play shows. Um, and I hope, <laughs> I, I, I just hope people view it as a different thing. Cool. Via the uh, personality. That's a perfect segue, I think, into the next set of questions. Then. It is because, uh, yeah, the music. Um, so was doing music associated with this brand always part of the plan or did it just kind of happen? It was definitely part of it. Like it was like a seedling in my head. Like when we first did a collab with Belzebubs, like I really liked uh, JP Anowin's like comics. I really like him. He's a really just a fucking really awesome dude. Um, I love the Belzebubs comics and just like seeing what he did with those comics, like taking a physical product, I guess, and turning it into a band and making music and they signed to century media and like put all these videos there. They were supposed to play shows, but the COVID had their way with that. Um, I think that was like really like the big inspiration. And I guess like death clock would also be like partially in there, but Belzebub's was like the big um, inspiration for that for me. And we collabed with Belzebub's like very early on. And I was just like, I want to fucking do that. Um, I like, I never, I didn't think, I could, like, I wanted to start another band after my last band uh, kind of fizzles, fizzle out, but I have um, 
really hard time concentrating on multiple things or like putting my energy in multiple projects. So it's just like, there's no rules that say I can't just make this all the same thing. Like I'm just going to do that. And uh, I think I'll be happiest doing that. Um, and it just like, I think it worked well with the persona I play um, with Satanic Kiko. So it all just kind of like put it to pieces together and it kind of all kind of worked out. I think, <laughs> I hope. Yeah. It's a little of both, a little bit of both. Um, I I have a quick follow-up just to that. So now the first, okay. So I've got to admit the first time I heard satanic uh, tea company, well, I saw it, I thought it was a joke at first because, you know, it's a tea company, the band name, that type of thing. Um, but then I heard the music. I was like, Oh, the music's actually really fucking good. Now, how for the image, how do you think it helps and hurts you musically? Um, the way it hurts us, I think is people don't get it. Um, I, well, I think it's first. like a, yeah, I no, totally. Yeah. But I also think like uh with that it also does help us because I think with that moment of under not understanding like that pause, I think there's a lot of value in that you taking the moment to think about like what is this? Um <laughs> No, right? I, yeah. I think I that's like a lot of people and like people can either like brush us off, which is fine because I think they're going to hear about us again later on no matter what, if they're in the metal community, I'm hoping that we'll still be interjecting ourselves. Um, and then maybe they'll give us another chance. But I think that first initial, like, the fuck, um, I think that's valuable. Um, so I think that's like a two-double-edged two sword, I guess. Um, and then there's, like, the thing that'll help us. I think a lot of our niche is, like, catering to people who are in the metal community. A lot of people who haven't had tea for the first time are trying our product because we are not trying to like cater to like uh, people who wouldn't be into like this type of imagery um, and stuff like that. So I think that helps us. And I hope that like, just because we're in the metal realm, they'll be able to check out the music and like be able to relate to it and like uh, just dig it in the same way. It, it, it definitely worked with me because I was like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, Oh wait, it's a band. Oh wait. But you're right. It's like a double edged sword. Yeah. Like if people ask that question, and dig a little bit you're gonna you're gonna stick in their minds a lot more so. it happened with me so i can vote for what he says um no, I totally. another... if you google oh sorry no go ahead go ahead oh no and it's like there's like so much stuff online at this point so like if you google you will like you'll find tons of shit that you can find out more if you really chose to well yeah i just got super confused because i'm like satanic tea company and they got a video and i thought it was a commercial at first and then i was just like and then i was like wait a minute and then i went that's brilliant and then that's when I got in contact with you. I think it was like six months ago or whatever initially. So yeah, yeah. It, it worked. It worked. Um, actually, I have something, but I think it fits later, Aaliyah. So I'll just no, go ahead. Next. Okay. Um, so just in regard regards to this is a little bit further on the branding thing. So like in my own mind, tea drinkers are like British snooty people. And you do not have the British snooty reputation. I'm probably going to get canceled for saying this shit, but. Uh, how, dare how dare you how dare I? you say that about holly how did yeah how dare i say that about holly um to laugh about that so how how do i phrase this how do you go after that core t market then when you got the imagery like you do like the over the top imagery i mean it's not serious or anything like that black metal the whole nine yards or am i just mistaken in the whole and people who are into t are into this stuff no i think i think um we're not really going like I think uh, intrinsically, like people will end up trying our product who aren't into the metal type stuff because I think 
even with like our Patreon and um, just customers that reach out to us, like they're not really into metal. They they think the imagery and they they like the comedy aspect and et cetera. Um, they want to try the product. And then I think in the end of the day, we do make a, a high quality tea. Um, it is like uh, herbal teas. So like um, if you try the product, I think you probably, you're more likely than not, you're going to like the product, whether you like metal or not. Um, but our main thing I think is a lot of people, especially here in North America, like have don't really try tea, especially like the younger audience, like, a lot of people aren't trying tea till later on in their lives or they just grab whatever is in their parents' uh, cupboard. Um, so I think there's like not a lot of people trying to like, hey, maybe you'll try this tea. So I think a lot of people who end up trying our stuff are having tea for the first time with our product. Um, so I think that is also like uh, really valuable and cool. Actually, I'm good. Okay. And I mean, that's a nice, uh, you're getting, you're kind of spoiling them sp straight out the gate with some good tea. Um, yeah. I actually, can I ask you a little bit about, I was listening to you talking on another podcast and you mentioned how your throat of Lucifer tea is actually better for you than like the traditional throat coat. Can you explain a little bit about that one in particular? Oh yeah. Like to me, especially like I used to use throat coat from like ages, like 18 to 20, my early mid twenties. Um, and a lot of the, the throat coat is it kind of like gives you false, um, confidence in your voice. It kind of numbs your vocal cords. So when you're pushing out and using your voice a lot with the throat coat, you can actually over time do a little bit more damage because of the products that are kind of numbing the pain and you'll just keep pushing it forward. Whereas like a peppermint lavender tea, like uh, throat of Lucifer doesn't really numb it. It just soothes it a little bit and anti-inflames. Um, it gives you like a more realistic uh, view, I guess, like of how you're using your throat afterwards. Whereas like I think using throat coat long-term can cause more long-term damage if you're like constantly pushing it and depending on if you always need throat coat. Yeah, that's really interesting. I picked some up as a vocalist and I think everyone listening should too. Um you mentioned that the quality of your teas is really high. How did you get into that um, that world and get confident enough to build tea blends that are high quality? Um, so yeah, for this, I owe like um, a new like I guess like short story like a, a new coffee shop opened up down the street from my apartment in Cal downtown Calgary called I Love You Coffee Shop. Um, it was like a block away from me. So like I was just kind of starting out at this time, um, reaching out to like cafes and shit. I walked there, just gave them like a welcome package. I was even trying to get my stuff sold there. I was just like, welcome to the like, neighborhood. Like it's, it was like, it's called, I love you coffee shop. It's all pink and like Japanese -esque oh. style. I just thought it was really cool and like, like cute and shit. So like, I wanted to like, it was, I don't know. I just thought it was like a nice thing to do. And then, um, another tea company reached out to me and said, uh, you, they saw us as satanic tea code. They're called Sargessa teas. Um, they're another really great company here in Calgary. Um, and I had, she messed the owner, Alexandra messaged me. It's like, I know I had to message the person who beat me for this contract that was called satanic tea code. Like I have to meet you. <laughs> um, so like I met with her and this is like, I was still 
predominantly buying my tea at the time from another the, the company in Ontario. Like they were like pretty much blending everything for me. I was white labeling. Um, so I met with her. Um, it turns out we're we're both Trinidadian, so it was like a really small world um, in that sense. Um, and she, yeah, Alexandra is like super. Like she was already doing all of this, like sourcing stuff, like um, small farms in Canada, like communes, like in the Middle East, like to get spices and shit. Like I wasn't really concerned about any of this stuff. And she was like a big um, part of my education in that sense and like fair trade and like, oh, you don't know, like some tea, tea uh, uh, farm workers are treated really badly. I was like, oh shit, I did not know any of this. Like I never really thought about it. Um, so I like pretty much the whole aspect of our, the quality of our ingredients and like where they're sourced, uh, like pretty much a hundred percent to Alexandra and Sargessa teas, because I don't think I, without her, like it would maybe now I'd be like looking more into it, but like at the time, like it was not on my radar at all. And she like, <laughs> she put it directly in my way to like, you should think about all these things. And I was like, damn, you're right. <laughs> and it, I, at the end of the day, you get a, a better product you can feel good about drinking because like being more conscious about the stuff you consume it's like uh when you get to the nitty-gritty like there's some pretty people are working in some pretty fucked up um working conditions so it's like nice to be able to like push a product out it might be more expensive but like at the end of the day like you're getting high quality product that people weren't like making pennies to get you that <laughs> um herbs and tea leaves I wanted to quickly ask, how did you end up getting in the New York Times out of curiosity? Um, our, someone who followed us on Instagram, Kim Kelly, she's a great uh, writer. She mostly covers like um, labor and union stuff in the States. She's super awesome. Um, she just reached out to us and after it was after we released the Cradle of Phil stuff, she said she just wanted to write a story about us and I was like, you do whatever like i'm down like we'd never we'd never really been in any publication before nice. so i was like anyone who wants to give us attention like i'm totally down with um you doing whatever like i can't pay you but you do whatever then i guess she pitched it to a number of places in the new york times for the first one to reply so that's yeah. that it just it, it got pumped out and that it changed did, a lot of shit for us i did not realize it was kim that did that that makes sense though cool Cool, cool, cool. You know Kim Kelly? I've yeah, I when she used to be a publicist years ago. Oh yeah, she worked for Metal Sucks or something, I think maybe yeah, or Metal Sucks, a lot of a lot of different places. Yep. 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 Yeah. She's awesome. She's she's fucking awesome. So just one more follow-up just on your branding slash marketing before we get back into the music for a second here. So now I kind of touched on this earlier, but just to get back to the subject again. So as a musical entity how do you get attention with a name like satanic tea company because again there's like the fuck is this type thing i would think going through people's heads like if they see it on spotify or like if you land on a big spotify playlist you know what i'm saying like how, how does this work Wait, repeat the question uh i'm probably being a very little bit vague so okay so like as the musical entity versus like the um, company how how do you kind of how do you kind of get people to listen to you even though it's like you know it's called satanic tea company because most people they see that name again they're going to think like tea company they're not going to really necessarily yeah. think music right so how does this work to get people to actually listen to you as a musical entity 
Uh, yeah, it, it is like it is. Um, it has something that has created its own certain like set of obstacles for us. I think. I'm sure. Um, but like, just like anything else, I think there's like a million different odd band names that people hear, but then True. as soon as they know that it's like a band, because um, I think there's the side of it now, whereas we get comments on our social media platforms where people are like, oh, I didn't even realize these guys made actual tea. So like people see us as a band first, as opposed to yeah. a tea company. So I think it like us talking about having like a detailed conversation about it, it, it we, we can't, it like, it does seem odd, but I think when you just hear it, depending on what your point of entry was, <laughs> like, um, I think people who hear the music first or hear like see a TikTok or whatever, like promoting the music side of it, um, they'll know us as the band first, or like if you know us as the tea company first, um, it might take more coaxing <laughs> to get you to listen to it that way. But I think, um, also, I think it is an odd band name, but I think there's also like value in. It doesn't sound like every other death metal band name. It just it just odd, and I, I think have, uh, odd is odd is good. I have a dumb question, and, and feel free to not answer this if you don't want. I'm sorry, Ellie. <laughs> I got to ask this. So, is is the band part of the company then? Like, like is it like is it part of the actual company, or is it kind of like a separate thing then? Uh, like it's it's technically a separate thing. Um, okay. Yeah, it's technically a separate thing, but they I feel like both help each other there. essentially. But technically it is a separate thing. Okay, so it's not like okay. That's what I was trying to determine. Is it like the advertising portion? Well, I guess it kinda is the advertising portion for Essentially music. essentially it is like it is advertising the tea, but it is it's essentially like saying, Is this band X a clothing company? Because all they do is they make the music so they can sell clothes. You know what I mean? Fair. So it's like, but that is the same thing. Whereas this is technically two separate things who are earning income and it's div divided separately, I guess. But like, it's like the same thing as saying our band's clothing companies on the road, which essentially, yes, but it doesn't mean like the soul aspect of it or like the passion aspect is like missing from it. But yeah. technically it's separate things. Um, Technically. <laughs> so we're going to have a Satanic Tea Company tour sponsored by the Satanic Tea Company? Just kidding. Um, Essentially, yeah. That'd be awesome. Um, Ali, I'll let you continue. Let's get back into the music. Um, can you give us a little insight into what's coming next musically for Satanic Tea Company? Totally, yeah. Like we just, um, like just two weeks ago, I finished recording vocals for the, I don't know if we, like, we recorded six songs. I don't know if we're going to release as an EP or just like just pump it all out of the singles. Um, we have like lots of stuff coming for like music videos and like visual um, type stuff. But yeah, it's like it's six songs. It's all very heavy. I think it's like more heavy than the stuff that we put out. Uh, we've only put out two songs, I guess. But yeah, it's more heavy than, <laughs> than that stuff. If you like old school death metal or like grindy um, death metal, you'll probably be a fan, I hope. Um, it's like the most excited I've been about putting out music for like a super long time. So I'm like really hyped to start revealing some of the stuff and it should be putting out our first, the next single, the first single of a slew of singles, um, 
in the next two months here. Uh, quick question on that. So you're not releasing it as a physical format too, or just you're not sure? There will be. Yeah, there, we are talking to someone to um, push out. I think it's going to be uh, cassette tapes. I think the collection of singles will be a cassette tape T combo and like a kind of a cool. I don't want to like put out too much before it's like, of course. Yeah. But it's going to be, it's going to be a super cool, like um, offering, I think of, um, of a product, but it will be like a T plus cassette combo. And that's all I should say. Probably. Sounds awesome. Love that. Um, so we got to get a speed round in a couple quick questions because we are running out of time, but do you have any tips for bands who might want to get into the consumable side of merch? Don't. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's it's it's. If you think it's you better for them be... to find a co company to collaborate with, probably than try and do it on their own. Like unless they want to do exactly what I'm doing and like be like it's with consumables, it's tough because of the regulations at hand. Like there's gotta be a lot of. Um, groundwork so if like you want to be a coffee company or a tea company like for sure then do it like you should do it like um but yeah like you have to find uh a suitable place which is another direct like huge cost on the bottom line i guess um but finding like you just white maybe white labeling but then someone else is taking a piece of the pie i guess um depending on that's like what a lot of collabs are doing anyways um, right. with different companies so it's like it's a it's a tough question like i like i love seeing bands put out copies and like just limit it's just it's just a fun it's a super fun collectible piece of merch i love that but um i feel like the facility aspect is like the biggest hurdle um to get through and i think like finding that um initial capital to and to key just to have that constantly being a reoccurring expense um is hard where it's like, oh, you want to print your own merch, just buy a merch press, stick it in the garage. No one cares. But like with a food product, it's it gets to be a bit tricky, I guess. Um, so yeah, if you're willing to commit and just pivot <laughs> like really hard and like commit to that, I would say totally. Um, but you, there's like a lot of hurdles you have to really look into because um, you want to keep everyone safe. Uh, you want to keep yourself safe um, and you don't want to get um, into trouble that way because it wouldn't be worth it. I don't think. Hundred percent agreed. And then last question: uh, How do you clean up after all of those spilled mixed drink messes? <laughs> it's pretty. Uh, it's not that bad actually. I feel like it's pretty isolated. Like overall, like the surface area that I make a mess on, it's not. Insane. Is it like contained in a dish of some kind, or just goes everywhere? No, it definitely spills on the floor. But like a quick mop, a quick spray, you just swipe it all into like a little bucket or whatever. Um, overall, like I never spend more than like 15 minutes cleaning. Like maybe my paper towel bill is like higher than other people's. But <laughs> other than that, it's like pretty quick. I guess I actually want to ask you a little more about your social media production because you do put out these awesome reels and uh, how much time do you spend on making those? And do you batch that work into a day or, or do you kind of make it as you go? Um, yeah, like some days I'll definitely like do a bunch. Um, but like I work, uh, apart from like doing this, I do a full-time job 
on top of all this. So like it's um it's it's been pretty tricky like trying to find the time. So like sometimes it's like day to day. Um like the most annoying part probably is like just putting the paint on and like that's probably more like time consuming than anything else. Um yeah, it's like some days I feel really good and I'll pump them out. But then sometimes I'm like really hard trying to focus. Like I can't focus. I have a really hard time focusing and uh doing one thing <laughs> like really very often. Yeah, it's really hard sometimes. So like um those days will be like, okay, do one, done, <laughs> post it, I'm done. Awesome. This has been a great talk. Thank you so much, Crucifix, for coming on the podcast. Um, everyone listening, I hope you learned something. I learned a lot. And until next time, make like a bull and throw those horns up. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by following or subscribing to us, recommending it to your friends, or leaving us a review on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening to Heavy Business, brought to you by C-Squared Music.